0: Good morning, Matt. Good down, Diane. Ooh, you've come back with skills. Like Alexa gets yep. a new skill uploaded. You've had a new skill uploaded.
1: Yeah, they just plug me in like in the Matrix and I say, teach me some Icelandic. That's great.
0: Yes, uh, so you come back from Iceland. You were there with, um. it was an NYU trip. Is that right?
1: Uh, yep, it was the uh, Dean's Honor Society from here at the Gallatin School of NYU. Um, a uh, very nice group of 20 students
0: Wow, and did, did they are, was it a specific assignment
1: or you know? well we'd been uh, spent a lot of the fall reading up on Iceland and prepping for the trip, and now they all have their individual research projects that they'll uh, come up with based on their experiences there. Ah, so what kind of projects well that's a good question I guess we'll we'll see
0: right but i mean what's what's the sort of overall topic
1: or, or oh, is this, uh, how is uh, the this science is yeah. yeah it's uh what does the society look like at the edge of the world oh. um so you know it's kind of the the liminal space for human habitability so that means we get to, we study you know the volcanoes and climate change and the glaciers but also uh the icelandic sagas and you know the social history of what What's it like when you live on an island that uh, explodes regularly?
0: Wow. And at the end, and it's the limit of, yeah, human habitability. That's interesting. What's one big thing you could say about that? Like, what what's something that jumps out? <laughs>
1: um, well, it's... Uh... I should say people have lots of different arguments about it right. um, but everybody seems to agree that Iceland's one of the most literate societies in the world, mm. not not necessarily in the sense of reading but in the sense of writing. So like one in ten Icelanders have published their own book huh. and amazing. there's some suggestion that yeah isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, but when you, when you have um, those really long winter nights, um, that sort of gives rise to a, a literary culture. Because he got nothing else to do.
0: Yeah. Might as well. And do they also have a film culture? Like in Sweden? for instance?
1: <laughs> that's a good question. Not, not that I noticed. I mean, they've got some, but I wouldn't say that. Uh, I wouldn't call it out.
0: Right, 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 right. Interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. The end of the world. Yeah, I've always been intrigued by that concept. Now, of course, it must have been very different before they connected, before we had all this interconnect yeah
1: that's right so yeah, yeah pre-world War II post-world War II Iceland is is an amazing shift yeah. um, you know they used to be just this uh, this rock in the North Atlantic that just caught enough fish to keep themselves alive um, yeah. and now they're fully integrated into the, the the global economy which is not always good as you know they, the, they got hit hard by the um, 2008 crash for instance right
0: now they're the home of the Vikings
1: uh they were settled by vikings yeah i oh, suppose so. technically norway would be the home of the vikings um but yeah the icelanders are very proud of their viking heritage
0: uh-huh. so they were settled by vikings but then sort of lost contact with norway
1: well or- yeah i mean they were so far out in the middle of the atlantic that they were they were ruled by norway and then by denmark um right. but it's hard to uh keep control of a colonial power Uh, Keep control of a colony that far out with that level of technology. Right, 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 right.
0: So, uh, first of all, welcome to uh, our viewers from Iceland. Our viewers, see (laughs) (laughs) participants. We're on like episode twenty thousand or something now. Something like that. Something like that. And I work in film and television, and so I keep calling the audience viewers. You, you in the audience there, I'm, I'm calling you a viewer. You're viewing something, and it's uh, something better than, uh, you know, Matt and I's, Matt and I's, our face. I can't speak for Matt's yeah. face. They, that, that would be a pleasant thing. <laughs> Mine at this hour of the morning so, is not good. Uh, our listeners, our listeners, I call, uh, I'll learn, I'll learn someday by the time this is, what the if I could actually speak properly at, just after nine in the morning?
1: That would
0: be uh, a strange time. Well, welcome back. I'm very glad to have you back. Thank you. We, we, uh, we, I carried on with the Royal Week. Carried on. Yes. Uh, the past two weeks, continuing our UFO saga, which is, as you know, it is a popular topic. You were asking, did we get a lot of angry tweets or emails from uh, alien abductee, People, people have been abducted, um, neither from earth nor airborne, uh, communiques, uh, ah, angry. Okay. Interest, You know, pe- we, we, so far it looks like the, what the if community is, um, intelligent and moderate in their views. So well, gonna, that's good. we'll, you know, we'll see what we can do to change that. If you have a friend who's like an extremist, not violence, not into that, but wacko, <laughs> wackadoodle, <laughs> bring it. The more wackadoodle, the
1: better. Um, well, I mean, I live in Greenwich Village, so I'll just grab somebody off the side. to walk exactly. Just to put the microphone in. out this window. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great.
0: Now you watched the, you said you got a chance to watch the New York Times, the video that the New York Times posted. That they had somehow furrowed out of the defense department or out of Bigelow space, the uh, contractor. And uh, what's your reaction? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I was unimpressed. Um, It seems to me uh, the classic fuzzy blob in the middle of the picture. um, That I think it's the the voiceover, that is, it's the pilot's commentary on the blob that sort of makes it interesting, right? That they're not sure what it is and they're talking about how it's moving. The image itself um, just looks like somebody spilled something on the camera.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. It's a little bit of mayonnaise. My mayonnaise. <laughs> well, that's lunchtime. And oh, my mayonnaise. On on watching it again recently, I noticed, I, don't, I hadn't noticed this quite as boldly before but the the second pilot seems like there's one main pilot and there's another guy talking and anyway there's two people one of the guys right. is saying quite frequently that's a drone dude it's a drone so one guy's excited right and the other guy's like no nah, mm-hmm. it's a drone so he the, the guy who's saying it's a drone yeah. doesn't know it's a drone but he's saying i'm going to err on the side of He's kind of saying
1: right. he doesn't he doesn't give us his reasoning for being a drone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it might be that that's about the right size mm-hmm. for a drone or it's behaving in a way that he has seen drones do before. Right. We don't we he doesn't give us that information. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I, right. Naively or, or without any much information, I, I get the idea that he's just saying. I'm going to go with that hypothesis first. I'm not going to get excited about this. And uh, whereas the other guy gets excited and yeah.
1: And a totally reasonable one.
0: Yeah. And, and and it just goes to a little bit to my thesis about um, having, I was mentioning past couple of weeks uh, a little bit about having worked on this documentary where one of the chapters uh, I worked on was about military pilots, air force. Yeah. Flying. I don't think it was Navy air force pilots sighting ufos from their planes at night Mm -hmm. uh way up in north dakota for instance is one of the more famous cases minot north dakota or south dakota north dakota i think and um upon seeing the interviews that were done at the time we made the documentary which is many years after the sighting i believe i could see Mm -hmm. that the personalities of the people were different and that let's say there was Three people that they interviewed. I'm not sure if everyone, some people had passed away or whatever. These guys were elderly. Two of the guys were like, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was something other thing. And uh, But the one guy, the pilot, who's the one who filed the or put the most information into Project Blue Book, which is how we found out about it and stuff like that, he was, I'm just going to say, he was a dreamer Uh, in a way. Like you can just see he was... (laughs) he was open to the idea of you. Like it, he had spent his whole life with that. Anyway, it just occurred to me that just because you're a pilot or a military person doesn't mean you can't be more open to out of the
1: sure, ordinary yeah. ideas. Or right? or a scientist for that matter. Right. Right. Um, In fact, if you love I mean, one science the things fiction, you get with, yeah. um, yeah. Oh. Um, You know, one of the things you get when you have people trained in a technical field is that they get really good at spotting and interpreting one class of things. All right. So if you're a fighter pilot, you're really good at identifying other fighters. Um, But often that means you're not very good at making sense of things you're not trained to see. Does that make sense? Oh, interesting. Right. If
0: yeah, say um, say, that, say that again, just so that so clear. if it doesn't, it's clear to the audience. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah.
1: when you're trained, when you're a trained observer, you know, be that a fighter pilot or an uh, experimental physicist or something like that, you're typically trained to look for a certain kind of thing, and you become so be that enemy aircraft or positrons, and you become very good at spotting those things. But, sort of the price of that is you're often not very good at spotting things that don't fit into that category, so there's there's sort of a price for becoming a trained observer, right. which is that your your field of your field of view conceptually narrows but gets deeper right, so for instance,
0: uh the pilots are trained to look for other aircraft, and in fact, to mm-hmm. be especially concerned about strange aircraft. That they're not already familiar right. with. That could be an enemy mm-hmm. something. And I'm sure that part of their training is atmospheric optical illusions and things like that. But it's not the center focus. Right. And once, I, I also think that once the adrenaline starts going and there has been prior suggestion, I think on this one mm-hmm. they were told to go look, there's something from a ship they saw something on a radar or whatever they said go look at that that's enough to kick it up into that zone and then they have to explain it which is another thing that i felt like the um the pilot who had to Mm -hmm. report to project blue book i'm just speculating here but perhaps you know part of it was like oh i've got to make this this has got to be real. Right. I don't want to be, you know, uh, look like an idiot.
1: So, well, well, because, you know, so the, yeah, so the pilot lands and uh, they get out and then they're given a form. Right. Mm-hmm. And they say, so write down on this form what you just saw or what, what just mm-hmm. happened. Right? Right. Um, it's not acceptable to write down. I have no idea. Right. I don't understand this at all. It's just yeah. the power of the bureaucracy. You're expected to write down some clear statement. Um, and that's a powerful thing. Right. To do you say, I, I need a story about what just happened. And it's not to say that they're lying or if they're, their ideas are being shaped. It's just that if if you ask an open ended question. So how was your evening? you get one kind of answer. If you ask a question like, what was that mysterious thing you just saw in the sky? Yeah. You'll give a different kind of answer. Yeah.
0: Or even worse, that thing, That's I mean, How you're prompted. there are audio transcripts of a lot of this particular case in particular. And uh, there are maps and, you know, there is a ra- there are photographs of the radar, which is quite interesting. That's why this is one of the most compelling cases yeah. from mine. Mm-hmm. And um, the drawing that the pilot drew, by the way, we, it was so cool because we had at like incredibly high resolution copies of the actual papers, handwritten mm-hmm. reports on forms from project blue book. And like you can even, see, you know, the, the the form itself was typed in black, black boxes, black type. And then the pilot had written in blue uh, ballpoint pen or whatever. And because, you know, we have these copies that look identical. It was so cool. It was like, here it is the ship mm-hmm. that he drew. And, and you can hear him describing on the, on the report, live report uh, to the ground as he's flying. He says he looked down and he saw a huge ship and it had a large crescent shaped front section and then some kind of cylinder, a narrow more narrow cylinder connected that crescent shaped um, front section to a large round rear section, which was much bigger. Okay, Okay, so I looked at this picture and again, this is me doing my own amateur work. And so I, I am acting perhaps with the same level of rigor <laughs> that the UFO quote believers might, and that's showing you evidence. Yep. So I'll just put that out there. Let you be the judge. I looked at what year this was and I believe it was 1968 or 69. And do you know what television show was hugely popular? And was new on the air at that time. Star Would that Trek. that be the William
1: Shatner show? The
0: William <laughs> Shatner show. Right. With Leonard Nimoy <laughs> and DeForest <laughs> Kelly. And uh, yeah, Star Trek. And once I saw that and I looked back at the thing he drew, it was like, it was like the Enterprise. Actually, I think he maybe even had cylindrical sections behind. I don't know. It's not identical, so this is a leap. But I just thought, wow, that's what are the odds of that? No one's ever mm-hmm. suggested a ship that looked like that before. Well, and,
1: and I should say one of the design influences on the Enterprise was UFOs. Right? The Enterprise was supposed to be sort of a combination of flying saucers and jet aircraft. Oh, I
0: didn't know that.
1: Ah. Yeah, because that, that seemed like the two most futuristic craft they could think of so if, if you look at the original enterprise it's essentially you know it's got the the jets on the back right. and they're just stapled to a flying saucer yeah.
0: that is really interesting wow very cool i i've always been impressed that they went with that design because it's so ungainly and yes from that's a, right from a true science fiction perspective that's really mm-hmm. bold and smart because what gene roddenberry and the designers were saying is Doesn't matter. We're in space, you know.
1: Could be all kinds of. Yes, that's right. It's totally bizarre. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Oh man, as a kid going, I remember when the Air and Space Museum opened in Washington, Mm -hmm. and one of the, (laughs) even though the Apollo Eleven craft was there, even though the Wright brothers plane is there, and any number of, um, you know, uh, hallmarks of flight aviation, the most awe inspiring to me as a kid, and most popular exhibits there was they had the actual model of the enterprise yeah hanging and it was just oh my god it's amazing (laughs) so the aliens are here they're teasing us this is this is what we were before you went to iceland we we had an incident the new york times reported (laughs) and showed this video that came out of the defense department and then we talked about some other uh incidents in the in the subject matter and then while you were away i kind of dove deep into alien abduction and talked mm-hmm. a bit about how to what's involved in making documentaries some of the pitfalls you can be seduced into helping the story along and yep. um, we pulled ourselves back from that but most people don't and i was suggesting even that i think unfortunately right there's people that go out there to make shows with that intention to, to be even more uh, mani- sure. That's right. manipulative. History group.
1: channel. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we love history. Channel. You mean, you mean uh, UFO channel. So UFO channel. the UFO Hitler channel. But I found it compelling when you mentioned at the end of the last episode you were on where, oh, by the way, to, to our listeners, go back and listen. If you haven't listened to those episodes, you don't need to. Because nothing we do is in linear fashion anyway. You know, this, what we're doing right now might actually have occurred in the future. And we're bringing it back to now. It is after all episode 25,000, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, um, but check it out. Also go to our website, whattheif.com has a lot of episodes now. I mean, there's probably 24,999 episodes there. Pretty close. Um, For your exploration, you might not have heard there may be subjects there that you're fascinated by. Drop them in. So uh, you said, well, or somehow we came upon the idea that they're teasing us. I mean, why they're not the alien if the aliens are here in UFOs, they're -hmm. not. Let's assume that they are able to prevent us from taking any photographs or having any memories. Right. Right. Of seeing them or being prodded or poked mm-hmm. or squeezed um, by them, taken out of our beds. So why would somebody do
1: that? All right. so, the, so the problem, you know, the, the fundamental problem of all of this is that uh, we don't know how much the aliens are like us so mm-hmm. our natural reaction is to say under what circumstances would we do that to somebody so then we get a list like we're jerks um <laughs> we're <laughs> we're messing with them um so that's just kind of a caveat that of course we're working from within our own framework um, and in fact the but, I,
0: I can't think yeah. of uh, unless you know we haven't done this to other people. Haven't done this to other people that much, but we do do it to animals all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So that's kind of what I was thinking is that we do go to uh, animals' homes and mess with them, right? Yeah. Uh, and generally, that's that's under under the guy. Our claim is that we're trying to understand the animals, um, and that's the the justification for. Us being jerks to them, right? Uh, is that we want to know how they think or how their society operates. So sometimes that's a Jane Goodall style, we'll go live with them and become one of them. Right.
0: Now, interestingly, Jane, that Jane one. Goodall, that example, she interestingly did not attempt to mask herself.
1: Right. Yeah. So the equivalent there would be, um, the vulcans just beam down into the middle of new york city uh-huh. and say we're here we're going to hang out right we're interested in you um, but there's no concealment right right um, but this so which would be that the polite has a problem. way to do it by the way it would that's right <laughs> it would be the polite but there's a sense in which it's, that's a terrible observation because they're clearly disrupting What's being seen. And this is something that animal behaviorists have known for some decades now is that animals in captivity display behavior that they simply do not in the wild. So if you want to know what their their real or natural state is, you have to try and access that with as minimal interference as possible. Right. Um, and that's, that's hard, right? Just because, you know, we're big mammals and we drive loud cars and it's, it's hard to, to sort of fully hide yourself. Um, so one extreme is to say, uh we'll have as little interference as possible um, and we'll watch from satellites or drones or something mm-hmm. and therefore see the, the true thing. But mm-hmm. then the other extreme is to say, look, we know we can't get a fully non-interfering observation. So let's set up a controlled experiment that lets us look at exactly what we want. Uh-huh. Right. We're going to give up on this idea of natural and just try to do the best thing we can find the precise information.
0: Right. So we might say that given that these two chimpanzees are in captivity in this lab, Mm -hmm. we're going to say, well, that's the same for both of them. So let's find differences now
1: yeah so let's figure yeah. out so, so let's look at a specific thing, right? We're interested right. in tool use, so let's set up a contrived experiment mm. that's just about tool use, and we don't that doesn't tell us anything about chimpanzees' natural behavior, but it does tell us something about what they can do with the screwdriver right right, right. And
0: okay. could show, um, yeah. <laughs> could show how they react when they are in the human environment. And of course, well, now you've
1: taught them tool use, so <laughs> run for your life! So they'll be escaping from their cages <laughs> shortly. Yeah, um, and that and those experiments can tell us a lot, but the the very nature of the contrived experiment means that we'll miss some things. And that's okay. So, for instance, um, uh, I have a dog, Zebi um she's yes. very sweet very sweet and she's actually in the office with me today <gasps> wow. um but she's not real smart yeah. <laughs> uh and for instance, several years didn't ago hear you just say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's going a little deaf because she's old too Aww. um so several years ago we we're walking through the park and some animal psychologists had set up um an intelligence test for dogs oh Okay, and they were they're sort of outside the dog park and asking people to participate with their dogs so they could get data. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a fairly it was a fairly straightforward setup, which is essentially um, they hide a treat in a kind of maze thing, and they see how how the dogs solve the maze problem. It's sort of classic behaviorist um, thing. Um, So they they show the treat to ZB and then they hide it. Um, and then they say, okay, ZB get the treat, but she just sits there because she doesn't understand that that's like a thing she's supposed to do now that she's uh, supposed to go find it. Right. She doesn't, it's her, uh, you know, she, if someone gives her food, she'll eat it, right. but she knows she's not supposed to go take food from somebody else. So she just sat there, um, and so instead of getting a grade on the intelligence test, she got a certificate of participation.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's special. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a very nice but dog. She loves it. She um, loves that spe- that's, certificate. That's right. And so you might say that's actually not a very good test for ZB's intelligence because it, we expected her to participate in a way that she did not.
0: Well, what's funny about this, is you can imagine, alien abductees being returned, mm. and, and similarly, well, the they didn't—they
1: yeah. didn't
0: provide something useful, and but they got instead of a certificate, which is what we humans would give each other, you know, they get some oh. object <laughs> that the yeah. aliens, you know, share. It was a equivalent of of a certificate,
1: but it was just some weird. Yeah, the Romulans would recognize this um, as the thing you get after participating in a test. But to us, it looks like, I don't know, a ball of slime or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so I can imagine that uh, the aliens set up an intelligence test for us. Right. right? They want to know how we interact with um with various phenomena, right? So maybe the the glowing light in the sky is the equivalent of the treat for ZB.
0: Oh wow.
1: And the wow. reason it's hard the reason it's hard to see is not because the aliens are trying to hide themselves, but because they have designed it to be just at the edge of our perception. Oh my God. So this is actually like the
0: laser. You you know you can shine a laser on the ground and the cat will just go crazy
1: cha- and dogs yep, too. I that's suppose. right. Will go crazy. Cha- yeah. So sometimes that's entertainment, right? But uh, it could also be a test of our reflexes, right? Right. Right. Wow. Um. How how fast can and reflexes in this sense would be you know scrambling aircraft or you right. know radar response. Right. Um. And then the aliens write that data down and they're like, oh, okay, so for this kind of stimulus we get this kind of response. So wow. the humans. Think this way about this problem. And they say, and then they go back to their conference room and they say, all right, but what if we change it up a little bit? So instead of a, a saucer-shaped UFO, we make one that's elongated right. and looks like a cigar, right? Does right. that change the human response?
0: Right, right. And um, But then what do we say about... There's a big aspect to this that seems to me either this is where they are. they're maybe they're progressing the tests, taking the tests through some kind of progression, where mm-hmm. they're not yet testing mainstream, or they're not testing people in in mass on mass, right? And the, or, or, or oh, yeah, they're, as they're as not group, doing something sure. ridiculously obvious. Mm-hmm like shining yeah, you know, right, because, a UFO hovering over the
1: empire yeah stable. like we like we said before there's there's this range of tests you do right. on animal behavior so they may have selected that this is the the level of interference they're interested in right they're not they're not observing us totally secretly right and they're not just beaming down to times square right but they said, all right, you know, this is enough to not disrupt human society so we can still be getting uh, uh, observations on what's natural for them. Right. Oh, yeah. And of course, that, there
0: are UFO believers who say, well, no, they can't show themselves because we would
1: freak out or whatever. Yeah, that's entirely possible, too. Um, and again, that's uh, that's projecting our concerns onto them. Right. We would be worried about that. So they must be worried about that. And that's that might be true, but that that's always a little dangerous to do.
0: The truth is, I don't think we'd be worried about that. <laughs> you know, like, uh, there's a few purists, you know, who might do that. But, uh, you know, just like on Star Trek, the prime directive, the prime directive right. <laughs> is do not interfere. Don't even show yourselves. And of course, that's violated. Right.
1: Yeah. And you know, maybe they're not testing us en masse because they have limited resources, right? These are these are the graduate student aliens working on their thesis. So they only have enough money for one UFO per month or something, right? <laughs> so if they had a bigger research grant, they'd be sending out thousands of them. Um, but they don't because grad students never have enough money. And this right. is the the backwater, right? There's a more interesting planet that the tenured professors are looking at Ooh, and they can kind, send yeah. a thousand UFOs down any time, but we're the crappy <laughs> test planet the that the grad students get.
0: We're like the yeah.
1: remedial. <laughs> right. So, so it, it all seems inconsistent and weird because it is inconsistent and weird. These are, these are second year grad students who right. haven't figured out research methods yet. So the system's a mess. Um, and, and what, what, they're they're just figuring it out. What would the department be called? The Department for Human Studies? Oh, or? that's a good question. I mean, it could be the Department of Human Studies, but that doesn't seem quite right, does right, it? Right. Um, I guess it would depend how they see us. You know, Maybe they're silicon-based life form. So it's the de- Department of uh, Carbon Biochemistry Behavior.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. It took me a moment because I'm a mere
1: remedial human
0: uh, <laughs> 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 department. What was it again? Biochemical behavior.
1: Uh, the Department of Carbon Biochemistry. Carbon, yeah. Behavior, I think,
0: right? Which, yeah, which interest. it's interesting because to that the image that came to mind was like studying plankton, and that begins yep. maybe to, it, mm-hmm. you know talking about pets is one thing, and even apes because we can imagine Jane Goodall in the jungle, and, right? And we've seen you our know, movies. So, but let's say yeah, plankton. Uh, very, very, very microscopic, multicellular, I guess, but, mm-hmm. you know, where all it does is respond to light. It just
1: sits there. Yeah. You right. just poke it.
0: And so that is, the, in other words, in a way, if we think of like a colony of, um, is plankton a good example, uh, 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 uh like a, um, like, I don't even want to say fish. I want to go all the way down to... to plankton. Yeah, plankton's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we want to shine a light or put some sort of heat source, dip it down into the ocean and mm-hmm. watch how the plankton society, so to speak, the colony, yeah. swarms. What patterns do they take? How do they react to that? Mm-hmm. That thing. And we're not... Yeah, so, they they right. might say, well, why aren't they... If if they really did have conscious thought, right? Which, who knows? (laughs) But if they did, so maybe they would say,
1: "Why aren't they?" What's with this? That's right. Why aren't they extending their exoskeletons in response to the stimulus? Right. Or even where's their lead? Where's their chief plankton? (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) I wonder if. Plankton might be too far down the scale, mm-hmm. but maybe let's say um, uh, the octopus. Mm, okay. So, octopi, I and the, the argument about whether it's octopi or octopuses, we can do another day. It's, okay. it's interesting and bizarre why people argue about this. Really, neither here nor there. Okay. Um, is uh, they're you know they're fishy kind of things, but it turns out that in certain circumstances you can observe. It, what seems to be quite intelligent behavior on the part of them, right? They'll hide inside a shell. Um, Uh They'll, you know, they can, there's stories of them, you know, opening up aquarium tops and right. escaping. Right. Things like this, right? And they, can so, they
0: change color to match
1: their background? Uh, some of them, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. yeah. Uh, and of course, there's the famous psychic one who kept um, predicted the World Cup a few years ago, I think. Really? I <laughs> can't remember his name, but that's neither here nor there. Guess, well. yeah. um, so I'd like to think that with respect to the aliens, we're more like the octopi um, than we are like the plankton in that we're we're displaying complex enough behavior that it's worth doing interesting experiments on us. Right. We're not right. just, they're not just poking us with sticks, right. um, but they're giving us complex stimuli and seeing how we respond to that. Yeah. That's
0: interesting in that with the octopus, we see the potential for recognition. Like we right. actually yeah, want that's, to, yeah. we, and, and, I mean, to many people anyway, we want to believe that this creature has intelligence, and we just haven't yet figured out how to access it.
1: Right. Yeah, and that's when that's why they're interesting to hang out with. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Because if there if there were if we didn't have that sense that there was some intelligence possibly lurking there, then why bother doing complicated experiments with them? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Is. So, I'm just trying to really flesh out this Mm -hmm. scenario in that if we are octopus, octopi, or dolphins.
1: Um, That's fine. Let's stick with octopi because they're not mammals. So, they're a little little different.
0: Okay, cool. Right. So, if we are octopi to the aliens, just like Mm -hmm. uh, the octopi is to us, Mm -hmm. and so therefore the aliens are us, presumably the octopus has... A communication language or at least Maybe. If we,
1: we we can't tell right i think that's 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 part of what's worth uh exploring with them is do they have some mechanism for communication amongst each other right. um, and i think that that answer is up in the air so you can imagine the aliens doing the same thing for us they're like all right so we'll do stimulus for b in North Dakota right. and see what the response is. And then we'll do stimulus 4 B in Belgium uh-huh. and yeah. see if the humans in North Dakota can somehow communicate with the humans in Belgium to coordinate their response. Whoa. Right. That yeah. would be a good experiment to do if you're right. not sure if humans are intelligent.
0: And we do that with octopi, I would assume, right? But let's see if yeah, sure. like with that's whales. Right,
1: we, you take, yeah, That's right. You take,
0: is it with whales we have discovered? Mm-hmm. Yeah, take a bunch think, of different octopi.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, right? So that would be an interesting alternative explanation to the, the secrecy hypothesis, right? It's hard to make sense of the secrecy hypothesis is it's hard to make sense of UFOs because they're trying to conceal themselves or maybe the government is trying to conceal them. Right. Um, but an alternate explanation and an alternate explanation would be the jerk hypothesis, right? They're just jerks. They're messing with us. Or they could be both. Uh, I
0: mean, if, if look, oh, if students yeah. working with rats or lesser creatures, some of them mm-hmm. are going to be jerks. Maybe not super <laughs> oh, yeah, sadistic, right. although mm-hmm. they exist too, probably. But like, there's um, going to be plenty that just sort of are playing around.
1: Yeah, that's right. The grad, the grad student is stuck in the lab late at night waiting for a particular reaction to run. Right. Um, that takes four hours. And while she's waiting for that, she's like, well, I'll mess with the test organism. Right.
0: right. Let me um, take this toy, this alien toy I have and mm-hmm. shake it on a thread in front of this Air Force plane. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you might not be taking data, right? You're just bored and waiting for waiting for the next run right um so so i I posit in addition to the secrecy and jerk hypotheses the grad student hypothesis um that we are just being experimented on by not quite competent alien scientists trying to figure out how we think
0: right now added to this though there must the the supervisors um yes i have pretty good controls because even with, Helpful. if the grad students are, you know, bumbling around with uh, showing, you know, things on earth and, and, you know, there's, a, there's another group, maybe it's like second level or, you know, like once you advance or is it, would you, maybe it's postdoc, what do you call it? Where Where the be? ones who get but- to abduct people. That's
1: right.
0: the medical school. <laughs>
1: the medical school. Um, but, you know, not all all grad advisors are different, right? So some right. grad advisors will be in your lab every day and looking over your shoulder and fixing ah. your mistakes. Right. And some will check in with you once a year and they don't remember your name. <laughs> and they're like, what are you working on again? What and they give you, That's right. <laughs> which, which planet are you on there? I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, the one with the, the monkeys in the Internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and who knows what the alien time scale is? Maybe grad school takes 700 years for right. aliens. Um, so the supervisor hasn't even come back for the first check-in on our right. experiment. Or right, right.
0: And, if, you know, maybe time dilation is part of the problem. Or yeah, right. Not to possible. get here through the wormhole or, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what's most fascinating about this experiment is that to um, really try to get into the head of the lesser species that's being experimented on. Mm-hmm. Because I'm fascinated by the idea of being, that the octopus has a whole language and a method of communication with other whatever, or maybe just in, in and of itself. And that it wonders why we don't speak to it.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. Right. So the octopus is saying, guys, enough with the aquariums and the strings right. and the rods and the puzzles I have to solve. Just say hello. But right. it's saying that via, you know, ink patterns on its underside. Right. right. And we, no. Right.
0: Right. Um, yeah. And I'll end with just uh, mentioning uh, the great, another Arthur C. Clarke recommendation uh, Rendezvous with Rama. Yep has uh mild spoiler alert there is an encounter (laughs) with creatures who are a little bit like octopi that they speak with the colors oh yeah
1: that's right actually i'd forgotten about that yeah Yeah. super
0: cool um okay well this was great this was really
1: okay we solved the puzzle
0: yeah guys just say hello (laughs) wonderful wonderful thank you well uh I hope uh, you who are listening thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back Uh, um, you where do you live? we would love to know, I'm trying to get a sense of how global we are, I was asking on Twitter and there's people from all over so uh, feedback at whattheif.com just to say hello you can also give us feedback since that's what it says Uh, our website whattheif.com has uh, biographies of Matt and I, if you want to know a little bit more about our um, our um,
1: particular brain damage <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> or our home planet the brain damage that was yeah. induced on our home planet and on Twitter what the if show one oh, one word uh, also on Instagram what the if show and on Facebook what the if what the if we're just everywhere really want to hear from you um, and you know hey critiques criticism um, we're open to that
1: Yep. Ideas. If you've got a, if you want yeah. us to tackle.
0: Yeah, ideas. And if there's a scenario you would like to be in,
1: we're, <laughs> we're open yeah, to that. Yeah, if you would like to be experimented on in some way.
0: If you want to get if bring it. Feedback at whattheif.com. Matt, thank you. Welcome back. I'm glad you came back from Iceland and weren't seduced into a
1: geothermal well, I should say they try to get yeah. you to stay, actually, because they they've, they've, they've got a serious labor shortage. Really? So um, if anyone is looking for work, go to Iceland. What kind of work do they need the most? Um, well, actually, all over the map. I mean, their major mm-hmm. industry is tourism now. Oh. Um, so if you're up for driving a bus or uh, explaining geological features to people. Right. Well, um, I was going to say, I'll, I'll a be a professional and... tourist. That'd oh, that's right. a good idea. I'll
0: yeah. just do that. I'll just do that. Who knows where we're going next week? Who knows what the adventure will be? This is the conclusion of our UFO miniseries. Yes. Right. the UFOs will be back, I'm sure. Now, whatever I just said woke up, Siri. So, so that's, <laughs> that's a little alarming. I didn't say anything about that. Yeah, I didn't say, hey, Siri. And I just said, hey, Siri, and that did nothing. She doesn't care about that. <laughs> whatever it is I said is more important. Yeah,
1: she's experimenting on you. What can she you do? is. She is. She's listening.
0: Next week, hey! Next week, Siri comes along. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Have a great week. Have a great Mac. Have a great. Have a great wheat. Wheat. Yep. Have
1: good good good. Or wheaties. other grain of your choice. Yes. Enjoy
0: the grain of your choice. And think about a way you could possibly communicate with me. I think what you should treasure. Here's here's one thing you can take from this this week's. So thought experiment of what the if you treasure the fact that you can communicate with other creatures on your planet not all of them but Mm -hmm. eventually if you worked hard enough you could and and then there are these visitors and they don't know how to communicate with uh, communicate with us properly it's up to us people to us to come up with a way to say hello next week we rejoin to expand into the expanding universe of possibilities. On this show we call what? The
1: if if